Good afternoon and welcome to Panoramica on Flirt FM with me, Tom, and Izzy Beaumont as well. We're coming to you live from the Flirt FM studio in Galway. Great to be back again. You can reach out to the show uh, on Twitter, Panoramica Show, and also on Instagram throughout. And we can engage with you whatever you want. If you think we're doing good, if we're doing bad, if you want to say something, engage with whatever um, we're saying. Coming up on today's show, we'll be talking about uh, President Biden's first year in office. We'll be talking about how you think yourself drunk. We'll be chatting about the cheap flights phenomenon, and we'll be reviewing two films that are in cinemas at the moment, the new Kingsman film and Belfast. But we'll start with Biden, Izzy, what do you think? Well, Biden has just finished his first year in office and, you know, he's coming off a year with dropping poll ratings after a combination of the coronavirus pandemic and, you know, a struggling economy, especially after the pandemic, they sort of go hand in hand. So he, he, he definitely, you know, is going down, but I don't know... Is it a result of the time that he's gone in at or is it a result of him, you know, being hmm. much, you know, much of a muchness after Trump? You know, I know different different parties, but, you know, it's a di- yeah, it's an interesting one. He started out quite well, I think, because he had the first day and first day he signed 17 executive orders, mm. re-entering the Paris Climate Change Agreement, um, allowing transgender people again to, to get um, join the military, which Trump didn't allow. But you're right. Is it a part of the times or is it because of who he is? He isn't. He's quite old. Yeah. And he, there's a difficulty there in being charismatic and uh, being a good leader when you're when you're that old, particularly in 2020. Um, I would have thought that in America they would have had better candidates than old, white, privileged... Males. M- it was white the same men. as, you know, having Trump. Yeah. It's but, the same vein, whereas Obama before that was a lot more youthful, in, during his first term especially. Of course, you get older as the terms go on. And but, grayer, yeah. <laughs> and grayer. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, I am. The more I read about it and the more I looked at it, I did think it was more a sign of the times because he is, you know, quite a progressive vice president. So he does have all the makings of a potentially good term. But I think, you know, with COVID, he, what his aim was 70% of um, vaccinations. Yeah. And where is he? Do you know? He's about, he? he's about 75% now of adult vaccinations. So he's actually surpassed that. I think it's around 200 million people vaccinated. Okay, and that's good for the states where there has historically been quite a bit of vaccine hesitancy in middle America. Yeah. Um, And he certainly did well in getting the vaccine supply, but that's unsurprising because the US just has so much money to burn. A lot of pharma companies would Mm. have origins in the states or whatever. Um, On the COVID front, I suppose, as well, there's that question of whether he's giving enough to developing countries that can't really afford the... Um, vaccines and he did give 500 million back in September to developing mm. countries Five million, 500 million doses a good step but really with America's resources with America's resources they could give a lot more and we all know that mm. but I also think with a country that's so resistant to not necessarily being vaccinated but maybe feeling like their liberty is being taken away mm. I think he's done a great job because a lot of we saw on Instagram, on Twitter, on everywhere, you know, the outrage, people not wanting to get vaccinated, people comparing it to the Holocaust. Yeah. That was the most outrageous thing I've seen, you know? Mm. And I suppose one thing that he did well in respect of COVID is he did... Now, you're going to come at me with a fact here, and I know I think I know what fact you're going to come at me with. Um, he did lead by the 
power of example rather than the example of power in some respects. Let's mm. say if you look back at Trump when he uh, had COVID and was in that that hospital, he did the drive by um, yeah. and he was in the car. It just wasn't great leadership because he could have been infecting people in the car. It didn't come off very well. Biden, on the other hand, um, always wearing masks, encouraging social distancing. Um, and then he did limit some meetings. Let's say when Miho Martin was meant to go over, yeah. the Taoiseach was meant to go over for St. Patrick's Day, they said, we'll do it online. But I also don't feel like he almost did enough in that way. Like he did visit 27 states in the one year during the pandemic when most of us couldn't travel. Now, I'm not 100% sure of the restrictions over there, but we knew in Ireland what we couldn't move within yeah. five kilometres. So was is it fair? Yes, he is a figurehead. So, of course, he gets certain privileges. But there is an essence of it that maybe he shouldn't have been doing all that. Yes, he was great by wearing his mask and all of that, but visiting 27 different... St- I don't know. That's something... <laughs> That I think, I guess, in context, he is the president. He does need to do that. He does need to do meet and greet. Well, does he actually? This is one thing that I always get. Because over the pandemic, uh, we were all we all had to resort to Zoom. Yeah. We had to do Teams. Uh, and then if you look at COP26, leaders mm. from all around the world flying in, um, having a conversation, producing very little. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I think the prime example is are the G7 summits, oh, yeah. uh, which are just kind of photo ops for <laughs> all the, the developed country, the leaders of the developed countries. He did do a lot of traveling and that doesn't reflect very well. It's five class, five class, um, five star diplomacy, really. Yeah. Just jetting around Because all the as time. well, they had, they come out of all of their climate agreements and everything. And now he's jetting off everywhere as well. You know, there's, there's a climate element to it as well. You mm. know, he's, he... He's not really leading by example, but I guess you do get certain privileges. And I know we can't criticise him in that way because if he did the opposite and never went anywhere in America, I think he would have been greatly criticised. Yeah, he is. He is technically the leader of the free world. So it would be pretty weird if um, a president were to stay in Washington and Washington alone for one year. It was very different there. It, It was quite different to Ireland, I think we took a lot harsher measures and a lot more of the public stuck to those measures. Whereas in America, I think they didn't have the same depth of isolations and travel restrictions. Yeah, exactly. And then in one respect, he was very lucky with the way that uh, Congress turned out, that he had the House, he had the Senate marginally. Mm. He had both of them. And on that basis, you know, he had success in so far as he passed the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. But then this is this is really strange, because if you have a majority, you'd expect to be getting this sort of thing through. He failed to pass uh, what he deemed really a momentous $1.7 trillion climate change and social spending package. Why do you think that is, though? Because... Internal politics. Yeah. <laughs> Inside the party, somebody wanted more and they just didn't want to... But did he not lobby enough? Do you think that was it? Or do you think it was just genuinely just politics and I somebody s- wanted some agenda and they were going to push it? Well, this is one interesting thing about Biden. Um, he's been a senator before. He was vice mm. president, of course, in Obama's administration. And he's much better at doing the lobbying than uh, Obama was. Certainly, I wouldn't be too sure about Trump 
Trump yeah. didn't have any political experience really going into it. Um, but let's see, if you look at Obama, uh, Obama was notoriously uh, ha- notoriously had this mindset that he was kind of above Congress. He didn't trek up to the hill to try and lobby votes. Biden did a lot of that work in the Obama administration, um, and he seems to be doing it again. But the fact that he didn't get that piece climate and social spending package through is surprising. Yeah. I almost think he was a better vice president than he is a president. Interesting. Why? I feel like he is better at doing more of the groundwork and this may be due to his age because there was that gap when Trump was president and it may just be age sort of he doesn't have the same charisma but I think at the time when his vice president days would have been his golden days. I that is my feeling and I will probably stick to that because I think as we get further on coming out of the pandemic, yes, you know, unemployment should go down, the economy should get better. So he does have that all working in his favour. Mm. He's 79 as well. This is the thing that uh, he would have been able to do probably more as vice president, whatever, eight years ago yeah. when he was just floating around the 70s. When you're 79, geez, it's, it's, it's demanding enough to be doing... Mo- yeah. work like that and during a pandemic isn't he classified as someone who's vulnerable yeah, yeah. probably um, and the other thing is that he, the other, he appointed 40 federal judges the most mm. since Ronald Reagan um, but something we haven't mentioned Afghanistan was an absolute disaster the pulling out of oh Afghanistan and those scenes of people running down the runway when the planes were taking off was I just I couldn't believe shocking. it I thought that was just false propaganda when mm. I first looked at it I was like no way is that happening but you just saw families being torn apart and You know, I was reading, you know, the White House has a fact sheet for what he has done, and I can't remember the figures exactly, but they make it look like their immigration policies are amazing and they've done great work and they've actually saved Afghanistan. You know, it does depend who is writing these statistics, but... I don't know, Tom, you know a lot more about Afghanistan than I would. I know, hardly. But and this is the other thing with Ukraine then as well. It's an evolving situation. Yeah. Um, he's the, the Biden administration's main tactic, it seems, is to threaten Russia and Putin with economic sanctions. Economic sanctions have been proven to just affect the people on the ground, the normal mm. average citizen rather than the actual governments. Um, it, now, that's an evolving situation, so we don't know what's going to happen there. He, it, it's an unremarkable year, really, I think. Yeah. The first I, year. You know, he does have great, you know, unemployment rates have gone from 6.3% to 3.9%. But it was interesting because after 10 months in office, he had, I think it was four, he added 4.9 million jobs. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, by the end of the year, they re-reviewed everything and it was 6.4 million. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult one, and that un- unemployment mm. figure has to be considered in conjunction with the rising inflation rates. If inflation rose in the states by a record seven percent this year, so that kind of that does affect the uh, employment rates in in some respects. Yeah. Um, look, we we'll move on yeah, to another we'll story, on. but to to start off, you know, he's he's got a disapproval average of 50, 54% and at the end of 2021, he's finished floating around 41% approval ratings and only Trump has really had a more disappointing first year. 
that, yeah. that, that's a that's a great comparison to have <laughs> anyway and then we'll have one more story and it's an yeah. interesting one can you think yourself drunk I suppose this is important going into the with things reopening um, th- 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 there was this story on BBC and th- it's a scientific mystery that ethanol in alcohol makes us more confident and boisterous on a night out rather than making us um, sad because mm. it's a depressant yeah. uh, ethanol um, it it's a strange one. How do we uh, become so happy when we drink when we should be getting sad? Well, I think it's almost a placebo effect, really. If you think about it as well, usually when you go out, there's music, there's dancing, especially at the moment, everything's reopening again. I think one factor is you're out with your friends, so your mood is better anyway. You're socialising, which is always great. As human beings, we need to socialise, and that'll make us happier. And then... You know, we all know those stories from when people were at a disco and said they had one drink and were falling along all over the floor. Mm. So, I don't know, I think you can definitely think yourself drunk because I feel like, controversially, I can think myself sober. What, when you're drunk you think yourself sober? Yeah, I feel like because I don't like getting drunk, I almost, it doesn't matter how much I drink, I can still think myself as in, I don't want to get drunk, so I will not get drunk. Oh, I get you, okay. I, I really I really do believe this, and a lot of my friends can probably back it up. <laughs> well, do you want to hear an interesting piece of research? Yes. Now, it takes a few seconds okay. to go through. But Lauren Begg, is, he's a lecturer in France, and mm-hmm. he wanted to do a test on this kind of expectation and whatever with drinking. He tested people's aggression when drinking, so each participant was given a set of three cocktails. One was non-alcoholic, one had a medium level of alcohol, and one had a lot of alcohol will it, w- in I it. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. That the person with the most alcohol will not be the most aggressive, mm. yeah. but they should be. Yeah. Okay, well, now you can you wait go and on. Yeah, exactly. The participants then were put into random pairs, yeah? Okay. And the participants thought they were being paired with just another participant, but it turned out that they were actually paired with an actor, an actor who was deliberately hostile. So the pairs were asked to season a plate of mashed potato with hot sauce and salt. Now it's really weird. I was reading this and I said, "What the heck?" So they have to they they have to give the other person some mashed potato and depending on how they're feeling, really, uh, they season it. So if you put in a lot of hot sauce, you must be very aggressive, whatever that mm. kind of thing. Um and the actor was very hostile and he'd come in saying, "Oh, I'm going to put loads of hot sauce in your mashed potato (laughs) I'm going to make you really hate this it's going to be the worst dish you've ever had and then the real participants that was with the Mm. purpose of giving real participants the opportunity to get revenge if they wanted to you know if that was what the thing the participants who believed they had drunk the strong cocktails were the most likely to dish out the hot sauce believed the actual alcohol contact didn't matter it was what they believed so expectations matter as much, if not more, than the actual amount of alcohol consumed. I find that so interesting because, you know, I would always assume whoever is the most drunk would definitely be the most aggressive, you know, because their inhibitions would be down. But it really is all, it's a mindset, really. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I just can't get over that. Because, and very do you, Now, do you think their personalities could have changed this, you know? I don't know if there's a way of doing a control in that experiment, but do you think if, you know, say they gave it to someone who believed that they had the most alcohol, but they were a very docile person? Oh, interesting point. I suppose it would change it to some degree, but 
probably w- not. It, this fat finding will probably be the same. But it's it's from an early age. We have that ingrained in our head. Um, there was another study that I saw that was done amongst uh, young children, and they were asked what's the difference between uh, Long Island as uh, an iced tea, mm-hmm. uh, kind of cold tea, and alcohol, and they said alcohol makes you more aggressive and boy not boisterous because uh, but kind of that that vibe yeah. more excited and aggressive and that was they were young kids they were under the age of 10 and yeah. they said that so it's uh very psychological more and so i think than what in ireland drinking. as well it's ingrained in a different way we do have a massive drinking culture we have a massive pub culture as well so i think in ireland like we also have the label apparently lots of australians they hate having the Irish over while we're students because we can be so messy and so aggressive when we're drunk. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I don't know about that, but I think it's something that we could come back to again. We should do our own experiment on that, Tom. Yeah, during the song break. During the song break. (laughs) So definitely, no. We'll go into movies now. There are a few good movies out in the cinemas. Uh, What have you been watching, Izzy? Kingsman. So yes, I went to see The Kingsman last night. So do you want to hear what happened first when we got to the cinema? Yeah, please. I'm interested. Yeah. So we got up to the counter. We showed them our tickets and they go, what's the name? We give them our name. Um, I went with my boyfriend, by the way, when I referred to we. Um, not the royal we. Not the you royal know. we. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly that. I don't know. I didn't bring my console either with me. But um, yeah, no, I got up and we said our name and they go, we don't see you for tonight. They said, what seats do you have? We told them our seats. You booked for last Monday. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So we had to pay again for tonight, even though the cinema was empty, or for last night, the cinema was empty. But anyway, that was funny because they have a deal on on Wednesday for students, which was great. So we actually profited a bit more than anything else. So we got free popcorn and a drink with our tickets, which was very, okay. very good. So not the best start because you had to pay double or whatever, but uh, how was how was the film itself? So The King's Man, this is completely different to the other two movies before this. So it's actually a sequel. It's sort of to set up how the King's Man came to be, the whole organisation. You know, if you haven't seen the movies, they're great fun movies to watch. This one definitely has a much more sombre vibe. Um, so it is set during World War One in England. It features Ralph Fiennes, Harris Dickinson and Gemma Artertron. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I know Ralph Fiennes, I but I don't know the last one. Artertron, I think okay. is the name. If, if I get it wrong, someone tweet us. It's a great way to interact. Um, so Ralph Fiennes is the Duke of Oxford. We see him at the beginning of the movie working for the Red Cross. And basically, as he goes into one of the camps, he watches his wife die at the hands of a boar. And his son is also there as an infant. And it basically sets him off on his pacifist journey. Fast forward, it become it's about 1913 at the time and there are rumblings and everything he's as a duke of course great friends with then archduke ferdinand who's invited him to go shooting with him and he goes over now the movie does chop and change a lot so then we go to a random cliff face in scotland and we see this conspiracy group i think they're called the flock and we don't see the leader his face is blacked out the whole time but there are very famous figures there. Rasputin is in there. Lenin gets brought in eventually. You know, it's a big mishmash of everything. And then suddenly the film cuts back and we're watching the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand and the Duke of Oxford's son, 
called Conrad. At the time, he was about 18. He now wants to join up and fight like every okay. other young man. You know, it's... it's so what was it like then? What, 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 what do you think of the film overall? So the film overall, it had terrible reviews. I think it got two out of five stars on The Guardian. That's where I usually find my movie reviews. I find they're very, very level. Rotten Tomatoes, I don't usually look at. Um, so I thought there were great themes, you know, class themes, war... I have a friend who's joining the army soon. So, you know, there was a lot, a lot of it felt more poignant to me. It was really, it was Downton Abbey meets James Bond with an hour of 1917, if you've seen that movie. No, I haven't, but I know about the war. It's a strange one then. So it was a mishmash. Um, I find was a kind of a mindless film those kind of action films can sometimes be just mindless and lack yeah. any sort of depth well the f- the fight scenes I think were very good they got a good bit of fencing in there a bit of sabre um, put it this way it got terrible reviews I absolutely loved it were you laughing as well was it the kind I, of thing I that you were laughing I love spy movies Tom okay. it's like my favourite thing ever anything James Bond-esque anything I will watch it and I'll I think I think it was about two and a half hours or something and did it pass by very quickly it felt long but it did pa- I, I was so invested in watching these ridiculous storylines you know Rasputin did basically a ballet break dance at one point while trying to drown the Duke of Oxford <laughs> while Lenin was being groomed to recruit and go in to corrupt, you know, Russia. It was the biggest... But I found it the most enjoyable thing because, you know, with college you get so stressed. My mind was absolutely full and worrying the whole time. There is a massive plot twist in the middle. You can't say that. There is. I'm not going to well, tell you what the plot twist back. is. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, there's a massive plot twist. So now I'm going to spend, if I see the film, I'm going to spend <laughs> yeah. the whole movie waiting for a plot twist. And you're not even going to notice it happens. Oh, really? No, I'd say I'd say you'll be like, oh, well, I was expecting that. Okay. So yeah, I, I suppose that's a good thing. It was kind of an escape, uh, a film that's good if you're looking for escapism, maybe? Yeah. From, okay. I found, like, it was very funny. It was, if you're looking for a very serious movie... Don't go watch it. If you're looking for fun, you've watched The Other King's Men, you like James Bond, you like a bit of, you know, there's a lot of making fun of posh people, there's a lot of funny references as well. I think, and the classic line, manners maketh man, always makes it into the movie. Oxford's not brogues. Oxford's not brogues makes it in. I had to um, explain that last night, but because they do a play on word and they say Oxford's not rogues because they were saying that fighting like a rogue, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. I was the only one who laughed in the whole cinema, and it was a bit embarrassing. Um, it's great, I find, if if you go to the cinema, you could be watching a terrible film, but it's still enjoyable, depending yeah. on the cinemas. And we've, we're very lucky with the cinemas in Galway, um, but the Pala and um, the Omniplex in yeah. Salt Hill are, are really good. Um, I enjoy even seeing terrible films in both of them. Oh, yeah, I can't remember what I watched. I watched one that was similar to The Sopranos. It was... Gave a backstory of I cannot remember the movie for the life of me, but it'll spark it in someone's mind if I say it's related to The Sopranos. It was, I despised the movie, but I was so comfortable sitting in Salt Hill in those recliner chairs in the cinema that I was just delighted to be at the cinema. We bring blankets to the cinema. My housemates and I will go. We'll go with our blankets and we'll bring popcorn and snacks. Okay. I'm just going to nod and smile yeah. and say, that's okay. That's, that's okay. That, that's normal. <laughs> Is it? Would you not think that's normal, no, Tom? No, I wouldn't bring blankets. I bring a, a big pink fluffy blanket to the cinema, sit on the recliner chair, bring in Skittles and a big Fanta and I am happy out. 
And then there's an arcade opposite afterwards. Yeah, it's and look, it's good. And um, of the Kingsman series, where would you rank it? I mean, that this is the third one. Um, this is the where third would you one. rank it in in terms of the? I controversially did not like the second one at all. I thought it got really farcical. I just it I was not a big fan of it. It was a bit too out there. I couldn't follow the plot. The actors I think sort of dipped a bit. I don't know don't know what it was. You didn't, didn't like, like Elton John being kidnapped. No, I didn't like Elton John being kidnapped, Tom. I would say this is my favourite because okay. I found I love the jokes in it. The first one is definitely it's just, it's completely different, Tom. It's a completely a completely different completely film. Completely different. Tone. I like the um the first world war aspect. Yeah. It, it's doing something different rather than just having an average action film in modern day exactly. wherever Brit- London or something, which is it, it's done over and over again. And from what you're saying, it sounds a bit different, yeah. which is which is and which it, isn't bad. It highlights you know the three cousins going to war. You know the Kaiser, the Tsar, and the King of England. Which is always, I always found the, the oddest aspect of World War One that it was really just three cousins fighting over territory. Yeah. When you think about it. So it's a bit historical as well. It's a bit historical. But I don't think Rasputin used to dance that much. Well, what do you say that weird scene was with Rasputin? Oh, he, so he got a sword out. He was trying to kill the Duke of Oxford. While they were dueling, he started doing ballet on top of a very beautiful, ornate table in Russia and then went outside and tried to drown this um, man in the water for two minutes to heal his leg because he's a monk. You know, as I explained okay. this, Tom, I'm seeing that the movie is quite confusing. It's not very historically correct, I don't it's, think. It's, it's not. But look, okay, that's Kingsman 3 might be worth a watch. Yes, I think so. So, Tom, I think you might have watched a more serious film. Yeah, I watched um, Belfast over the weekend. I was looking forward to it for a good while. Um, it's about, for those of you who don't know, it's about uh, it's the story of actor and filmmaker uh, Kenneth Branagh, who growing up in Belfast during the Troubles, um, Kenneth, for those of you that don't know, played Poirot in Merge mm-hmm. on the Orient Express, directed Thor, and also played Hamlet once, but I suppose a lot of actors have played Hamlet at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was the story of his early life, yeah. um, living in a Protestant family, Wait, which lived side Kenneth by side. Branner. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't even know. Oh, maybe that. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they. That's yeah, my no, understanding no, I think of it. No, now that you say it, it rings back. Yeah, and uh, it was the his the life the story of his early life when his family were living in um, the north of Ireland, Northern Ireland, uh, side by side with Catholics. His family was Protestant. Um, it was a strange film. I expected it to say a lot more about the troubles and address yeah. the troubles, uh, highlight what it was like in that area. It failed to do it to a certain mm. extent. It certainly didn't engage with the troubles too much at all. Besides showing some people in balaclavas, um, having one or two characters who were very uh, confident and were clearly involved with uh, armed organisations, yeah. um, it, it didn't really address the tr- troubles. And it summed up the troubles really as religious when re- in reality it didn't highlight the other elements of the troubles, the oppression of Catholic nationalist communities, and let's say gerrymandering, for instance, yeah. um, changing up the, the boundaries. Because it could have been a great opportunity, I feel, now especially in the aftermath of Brexit and everything, to bring in a bit about the troubles, especially Kenneth Branagh's English, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But you know, as someone, as, you know, I think they could have done it very well and almost a bit more unbiased 
I I, th- I was expecting a lot more. I'm surprised well, it wasn't you really biased now, actually. It, it wasn't, wasn't really biased. Okay. It was the fact that it didn't really address the troubles. Um, let's say it didn't it, it didn't engage in the stereotypes uh, of both sides. It didn't really uh, take a, a take one of the sides over the other. It didn't let's say suggest that the um, those of uh, Unionist persuasion were better than those of a nationalist okay, persuasion, okay, that good. kind of thing. And I can understand as well why he was careful mm. not to address the troubles too much, given the sensitivities that still exist in did both the UK, Ireland, Northern Ireland, whatever. Did he live in a community maybe where he wouldn't have? He would have been a bit more outside of the troubles, maybe. He, no, no, he was in the centre of it. He's, there were okay. there was a lot of um, let's say his street. They had they had to have barricades yeah. at the end of it. Um, and I, I can understand. Look, you, you'd know that the film was in the troubles. That's mm. just the um, set you in the troubles, but you wouldn't get the full sense of it. You wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't get that anger, rage, fear, whatever, whatever emotions were stirring at the time. You wouldn't get that um, when watching the film on the screen. And it was nostalgic and feel good. Mm. That was the weird thing, oh. because it wasn't a good time for a lot of people. Um, a lot of Northern Ireland's a lovely place to live, great communities there, but a lot of people would have been living in fear um, day to day, and it didn't really reflect that. Um, and in that respect, it kind of it lacked authenticity. Yeah. So what was the plot? Basically just following his life. Yeah, his 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 name was Buddy in the film, uh, and it was just his life, let's say, his first love in class, and it, um, just the family dynamics. Okay. The dad worked in England as a bricklayer, construction guy, uh, and then they had to plan, oh, will we move over to London? He was given the opportunity to yeah. move over to the UK for a full-time job, and that was a, that was a key part of the story. Um, and then there's also the the grandmother and the grandfather, mm. um, played by Judy Dench and I love Judy Dench. Judy Dench and Kieran Hines, who worked very well together. Judy Dench was probably the least significant uh, family character, but she was she was very good. She was yeah. re- and uh, she she's just a brilliant actress, such a, a, a seasoned actress. Uh, she was caring and loving of the hus- uh, the husband, uh, a typical kind of Irish. Uh, granny from yeah. that time and then Kieran Hines who played the the granddad was a sweet kind of a wise old man mm. he came out with great advice uh, really charming uh, loved his family very much and content with who he was yeah. um, throughout it all uh, now the interesting thing about the film I should have started off by <laughs> saying this um, it was in black and white for the That's most part what I was interested about I I find it very hard to watch movies that are black and white because I always find that the colour of a movie can actually tell you a lot about the tonality and the emotions that are happening. Mm. So do you think that affected you watching it? Because I, that would be something that I feel like would affect me anyway. Yeah, I asked, I went with two other people and I asked them afterwards whether they thought that it would have been better in colour and they said no, I would have thought mm. otherwise. Um, the thing about it being in black and white as well that kind of frustrated me was that it wasn't even uh, a real black and white. It was a very filtered uh, contrast, you know, brightened up black and white. It just didn't seem real. I understand why he was doing it. Um, Filming it in black and white was a good way to kind of put the movie in that period, in the 20th century. Did it make it more serious, do you think? Definitely it's, at points. Yeah, there are some serious scenes and the fact that it was in black and white probably made it much more serious. Um, and 
because the actors were so experienced, mm. uh, their facial expressions came across very well yeah. anyway. It sounds like you weren't enamoured with the film. It sounds like you wouldn't... I don't know, I I get a sense I that you didn't really think the film was as good as it could have been. Yeah, it certainly wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, at the beginning, interestingly, I don't know who the cameraman or camera woman, <laughs> camera person was... But they did a fantastic job at the beginning. They had um, coloured clips of Belfast, you know, on the train, in the sky, on the ground, whatever. And I've never seen Belfast look as good. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a tourist ad for Belfast. It was just Visit really Belfast 2022. Yeah, exactly, and it was just so flattering um, of the of the city, and that kind of set me up. I said, "Oh, this might be good." Then it went to black and white. I was expecting mm. it. The way it goes into transitions into black and white is very good. Um, but I, I, I'm just. It was. It was just a culture shock, really, for me yeah. to to be watching a black and white film again. I um, feel like it would have been great to transition out of black and white at the end and go into color. Yeah, I exactly. Feel like that's the or way. At one point. Yeah. Yeah. There, there would have been a few points where it would have been a good idea to do that. Now, the strange thing is. I would recommend it to people who have mm. an interest in that time because it does have historical rev- relevance. You wouldn't be using it in a history essay or something. No. But it's it's good enough. It depends on the person, really, though. It would be... I, I don't mean to generalise in a yeah. bad way, but there was a guy in front of me, a man, and he sighed at a number of points, at points that were kind of meant to be heart-jerking moments. Yeah. He was sighing, but the girls I went with were... You, you know, it really engaged them. Yeah, because there was, I suppose, Jamie Dornan is mm. very much liked that kind of that that kind of uh, thing. So look, it's it's worth going out, even just for the film um, it, yeah. itself. The actors made it good. That's what I that's yeah. what I take from. He it. chose the the cast was chosen very 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 well. And the strange thing is though as well, what I was going to say is that it's tipped to get the Oscar motion picture. The Oscar really? for Best Motion Picture, yeah. It'll probably be nominated. That's what the word is, anyway. I'm so, I wonder what we must do next week, what other things are going to be nominated, because... That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm really... I, I love what I watch the Oscars every year. Sure, we'll start planning for today, uh, next week's show <laughs> right now. Um, but now, Izzy, we've, we're getting busy with Izzy again, basically, <laughs> this week. Um, do you know Meatloaf, by the way? I should have asked. I'm, I don't... Actually, I'm going to have to admit... I'd have never listened. That was the first time I'd listened to one of their songs. His songs. His songs. I thought they were that's, a band. That's, yeah. Well, look, you were. It was fifty-fifty, really. Um, he was a brilliant performer. Now that was actually one of his lesser-known songs because mm. most of his songs are about five, seven, ten minutes oh. long sometimes. But they're very good. If you watch him, he is such a good performer. I'll actually send you a video if anybody wants to look it up. Um, There's For Crying Out Loud, live with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and he is just gas. He was in his 60s at that point, and he came out on stage uh, and said, the last time that I performed this song was 1978 in New York City. So if I sing it flat, if I screw it up, you can say, screw you. Or goddamn, he gave it a good try, and he is just he's so American, yeah, in a nice way, yeah. And he did a great interview with Gay Byrne uh, back he? when he was doing the Late Late Show, and it was oh. just really funny, a, a great character. Yeah. Anyway, that's just an aside. Um, yeah. So, what are we getting busy with, Izzy, with this well, week? <laughs> I want to first ask you, Tom, how are your New Year's resolutions going? They're still going. Are they? Yeah. I've I've gone off the boil a bit. Oh really? With what one? 
Well, organisation, I have um, to my parents who will be listening back to this, I am sorry, but I skipped my 9am and my 10am yesterday and had a lie-in and then went to the gym and then wandered up to college for about 2pm. Asher. Life is for the living. That's what somebody... Didn't we say we'd be more spontaneous? My spontaneous thing this week was more sleep. Yeah. (laughs) It really was. But um, I'm still going to the gym. I'm going with a friend later, actually. She's lovely. She's lives in a hostel near me because she didn't get accommodation mm. I'm sure we'll probably end up addressing that at some point as well college accommodation but um, we will be going together later and um, probably getting lots of hot chocolates afterwards and maybe go shopping put the calories back on yeah, yeah exactly um, I find since the reopening well, we were talking last week yeah. on Thursday I don't think either of us would have predicted that there would have been such a uh, wide and quick rapid reopening mm. um, and since the reopening it's been busy. There's been a lot of stuff to do. There have been too many options. Yeah, I have my best night out. Apparently, I spent the whole night saying, I love college. I went, we went out the, what was, I think it was, I think it was Monday night. Because I only, I start late on a Tuesday. And we went to uh, what more a late night bar because our nightclub hadn't opened up yet in Galway. It has opened up. It has tickets for tonight. That sold out in 90 seconds. But it was really, really fun just having music again and being in crowded places it just feels natural there were about I'd say 10 of us going out and we had a great time I bumped into a few other girls from the course as I was leaving Mm -hmm. and you know I stayed till close which I love doing this is the thing now stay till close (laughs) this is the thing that annoyed me I had not intended to go out during the week um just for various reasons but of course uh things happen and you end up going out and I do miss the earlier closing times. 8pm was too drastic. 12pm was such a nice sweet spot. I was 2am th- yeah. is so late. And it's so it, it can be difficult sometimes to leave mm-hmm. early. Once it gets to 12, you're in there. Yeah, you can't leave. But I was talking to an, a girl who we always meet up before some of our classes. And she was out at home during the, I think it was on Saturday night. No, it wouldn't have been Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Yes, yes, to say whatever day it was. And she said, I was falling asleep by 12. And she said there was an after somewhere. She said, I got a taxi home. I was in my pyjamas by 12. I was in my bed by half 12 watching Netflix. Mm. Do you think we're going to be changed by this a bit? Yeah. Going out habits? I I can't do the past midnight thing. It's just Mm. so tiring. And actually, I was chatting to somebody during the week. Do you get a kick out of this? He said that he was going to change his sleep schedule so he goes to sleep kind of uh, 4am or something and gets up at kind of 12, 1, whatever, uh, so he can go out for the whole night or whatever. That's dedication, Tom. That's a proper college student. That's a stupid idea. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Tom, I love a good night out. Now, I'm not a big drinker, as you heard earlier, but I love music. Get me dancing shoes and I will be out all night. You can listen to music on Spotify with your headphones. No, Tom. Spotify is for listening to Panoramica. Subtle plug. Yeah. Panoramica shows on Spotify and Mixcloud (laughs) if you want to listen back. Um, Yeah, but look, anyway, New Year's resolutions. We started off there and we ended up going down the drinking route. Uh, The other thing that's really weird... That happens in college, Tom. That happens in college. (laughs) It always happens. There's always an end. A fourth year came up to me and he was... You know when somebody gives you advice and you don't want advice? Oh, you know. Yeah, Not when someone's been drinking either. No. Oh, no, that's the thing, actually. When I'm so, when you're sober and you're listening to a drunk person, it's it's like torture. 
It, yeah. It's torture listening to the crap sometimes. It can be quite funny, though. It, no, it can be funny. Yeah. But it's the advice thing. If they were telling you a funny story, you'd love it. If they're giving you serious advice, you're like, no, please, no. Yeah. Um, anyway, but speaking of uh, uh, new stuff, uh, the cheap flights phenomenon. Yeah, Let's with everything opening up, travel and everything, where you yeah. look like we're set to go back. And it isn't just Ryanair. Ryanair has has, has historically been the one mm. airline doing cheap flights, but I got an email from Aer Lingus the other day, and they're doing unbelievably uh, good value flights as yeah. well, for, uh, under ten euro to fly. And then you don't, have, you, you know, Aer Lingus actually. Gives you the chance to get a cabin bag or whatever, whereas Ryanair um, doesn't. Have you bought any spur of the moment trips yet? Um, I'm I'm currently okay. So I love to troll the websites, and I didn't know about the Aer Lingus one because I'd been looking up flights, and you know how Ryanair always flies to outside of the city. You know they fly to London, Stansted, and Gatwick instead of basically flying to air bases. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I was looking at you know Aer Lingus. I was like, does it work out cheaper? But obviously I looked before there were any deals on. So I was curious to go to London, but, you know, going to Gatwick and then taking an hour and a half train into the city centre. I don't know, but I love the idea of just going for a day and just saying, I'm going to take my handbag and I'm going to go to Paris and have lunch. Isn't that the most privileged thing I've ever said? Yeah. And it's also just terrible for the environment. <laughs> it's terrible for the environment, Tom. But Joe Biden did it. Joe Biden did it. Um, it, it it's it's a weird one. I, I haven't given in yet. I haven't booked a flight. I, I've I've been looking at them for a while, mm. um, for a few days. It's particularly the Aer Lingus one, just because there's something. Am I mad? Or is it on an Aer Lingus plane, mm. uh, is the air better than on a Ryanair plane? Tom... I don't think you can say that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not being any. <laughs> I'm not trying to be anything bad here. I'm just saying that if I, I go on right now and I arrive in a yeah. uh, in a place, I feel like I was bludgeoned over the head with a club or something. And I think I it might like be the air being circulated. No, I feel like they're smaller. I know. I'm not sure. I'm not a plane expert. I don't know if they do fly two different planes. Someone, again, you can tweet us and tell us. But um. I, maybe they have a smaller plane and that's why so there's more people and the chairs are definitely smaller in Ryanair so they can fit more people in more air going around more people breathing it you could be onto something Tom yeah you imagine exposing it but I actually we had friends who booked trip a trip to Rome they got to the airport they didn't realise they needed a PCR test that was 70 euro each they then didn't realise they couldn't bring on a carry-on bag. That was hundred euro each, and then on the way back, hundred well, euro for a carry-on 100 bag. Hundred euro. That's I kid crazy. you not. And then they had to pay that for the way back as well. Then they got to Rome. They didn't realise they had the correct mask. There's a certain masks you need over there. The the F something. Oh yeah, F. The sort of duck masks is what they're called. F. P. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, let's move on. And so they got there, and then their hotel was closed due to COVID. They got to the hotel and there's a sign in Italian saying our hotel is closed due to COVID, uh, whatever. COVID. COVID. That's the most Italian thing, just adding <laughs> A. And I presume it's not actually COVID. I might Google it now. Um, yeah, it's it's strange that we've made travel uh, so accessible. But the issue is with uh, with some of them, they give you this great deal for the mm. outward flight. 
so let's say four euro uh, five euro seven euro nine euro whatever uh, to fly out but then you get stung on the return you have to pay five times six times the amount yeah. let's say um, on, on the way back and what I don't like about let's say buying a Ryanair ticket is that it feels like you're going through a casino when you're going from clicking the flight to actually payment they try to sell you everything uh, while you're going through insurance trips mm. food seats I've accidentally bought in-flight snacks you know what my in-flight snack was? What? Two shortbread biscuits and a bottle of water. But I why? paid eight euro per person for it. Why? I don't know. I clicked it because I was like, snacks. But oh, it's, I it's love very snacks. difficult to actually not click mm. the button. It's a bit like, I think better, it, it's like walking through some tacky marketplace. You know, one really big yeah. market like in Istanbul or something, yeah. or something like that. And everybody's trying to sell you s- stuff. And you just feel compelled to buy the stuff yeah. because, oh, I don't have that piece of tacky thing material yeah, that, I, I need yeah. that I don't have that bobble that goes on my key ring that looks cool yeah uh, but it, look it, it's a good thing anyway it's, it's it, make, it makes travel more accessible yeah. um, when it should really be, you know decades ago less than 100 years ago it was the thing yeah um, for only very elite group of people or the elite um, to do no I think I'm definitely going to be buying flights in the next week Tom I'm I'm I will come back next week and tell you what I've got. You come back with a tan. Yeah. Or no, burnt, burnt face, burnt, not even burnt, tan. Yes, yeah, no, just burnt. I, I, I'm too pale. I do just burn. Um, but and where would you love to go? At the moment, I don't think I'd go somewhere sunny because then I'll just be disappointed if it rains. I'd love. I want to go to London. I have. I have family over there, so I definitely. I haven't seen them since. The start. I haven't seen them in about two or three years now. So that's a big thing. Or, this was another plan fly up to Donegal because my yeah. brother lives over there you love destroying the environment don't I you am. you just love destroying stop the environment stop outing me Tom <laughs> I don't eat avocados because they're terrible for the environment what yes fun fact I l- wait wait wait, wait, wait. <laughs> how, how are avocados terrible for the environment the water wastage they create it takes the most amount of water to farm them produce them and transport them that it it makes so much waste that it's unbelievable. Now, I don't have the facts. I will get the facts for you next week, I promise you. But they are it's terrible the for issue. the environment. Yeah, it's the water issue. But I'm telling you, they're terrible for the environment, Tom. And if I see you eating another avocado... I don't eat avocados. Uh, really? Yeah, really, really. That's amazing. That's that's yeah. amazing. You learn something new. We've been talking for what? We, we've been on air for 55 minutes and people have actually learned something new. I'm delighted, Izzy. Yeah. I'm delighted. Now I sound sarcastic, but I'm absolutely delighted with yeah. that. See, this is why you have to listen to the full... Po- the full, you know. Episode. Okay, you're 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 plugging the thing a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> we're just letting we're saying to people you have to stay. You have to listen to all our crap yeah. until three minutes to one. You have to we'll give you to one politics, interesting fact. You've got to listen to the movies that you're not going to see, and then I'm going to tell you about avocados. Uh, Next week, I'm going to start with a fact at the beginning. Fact at the beginning, yeah. and um, also listeners do get in touch with us on Panorama Show on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can also reach out to the uh, to Flirt FM zero eight three four three three one zero one three. And if you have any suggestions for what you'd like to hear, any yeah. stories you know of, uh, community initiatives, uh, current affairs stories, things you'd like to know, uh, we'd be more than happy to chat about it. It's coming up to one though, Izzy. I think we'd have to yeah, get I'd moving. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, so that's it for our Panoramica show this week thank you all so much for listening you know even if you don't want to 
tweet us publicly you can send us a message anything you want to hear we're really happy to cover it also a big thank you to Ryan Coyle who was on editing for this show and Claire Holland who's doing our Instagram very grateful to them so we're going to finish with Sunshine by One Republic one of my new favourite songs at the moment and say goodbye for now and see you next week everyone